0: A few weeks ago, I had some volunteers from a corporate group come in to clean and organize at Lunchtime Ministry, which is the, the soup kitchen I run. So halfway through their shift, and we took a break so I could talk about our program. And I gave this really amazing speech about where our donations came from, our daily attendance, our annual budget, I mean, really fascinating stuff. And one of the women kept looking over my shoulder at this brochure on the bulletin board called Hudson County's resources to prevent and end homelessness. And in the middle of my riveting dissertation on Thursday's menu, she blurted out, but Spike, do you really think it's possible to end homelessness? It was a relief to deal with somebody who wanted to ask the big questions, but for now, I'll give you the nuts and bolts. First off, thanks for having me here. And of course, a heartfelt thanks for uh, the financial uh, donation you gave this past autumn and the backpacks and the plastic bags. Uh, I saw the box out there that uh, you guys have been collecting and the guests are really making great use of these. Um, Any of you don't know about our program. um, It's called it's a soup kitchen and drop in center in Hoboken. It's called lunchtime ministry. So there's food, but there's also ministry. Um, and my name's Spike. I'm the program manager. And basically, we give breakfast, lunch, coffee, clothes, toiletries, social service referrals, and of course, community to about 65 people every day, four days a week. It's hard to describe. You have to come there and see it. Um, people are always like, what's your job? Like, I can't, I can't talk about it. It's like, you, you, you have to experience it. Um, but i'm i 'm happy to to try after after church um, for now I, I want to go on to the readings so normally it 's difficult to find a common thread among all four lessons, especially the second one is always a pain. the second reading but this week it was not difficult. Um, the one word that kept coming to mind when I was looking at the readings was humbling. so the first reading is wisdom's call wisdom is is portrayed um, in proverbs as a woman who's here, she's recounting her history. Um, basically, she's existed longer than Earth has. And um, it, in the next chapter of proverbs, you see folly, who's portrayed as uh, a woman who, who tries to lead people away from wisdom. So uh, the, the part that we read the first reading, it's poetically written, but it's really not that mysterious. I mean, wisdom is standing at these crossroads in plain sight. I mean, the symbolism is obvious, and she's talking to everybody. She has no illusions about her place in the world. She has no illusions what the right thing is to do. And what do you think? Do you think wisdom is easy to understand? So let's move on to the psalm. Uh, the psalm talks more about creation, uh, how majestic God is compared to humans. Um, it has a similar message to the first reading in terms of how incredible creation is and um, basically how small we are. And it's, it's really not that difficult to understand. Um, how many of you live uh, in the, the country? Not the suburbs, the country. Have you ever? Okay. Um, you know, you ever been there when it gets dark and just dark at night and the closest thing you might be able to see the next hill but otherwise it's just dark and the stars around you are this great big dome no matter where you are you're alone there are no lights from buildings or cars or phones it's just you and you're surrounded by land and sky that's humbling that's what this uh song makes me think about right? so the second reading on the other hand talks about boasting but we're only boasting because of our hope in god You know, when I was a kid, this was one of my favorite uh, passages of the Bible that the the rhythm is so cool. You know, suffering produces endurance, endurance produces character, character produces hope. It seems so complete. I mean, no matter where you started, you'd end up in a good place. But you know, it's difficult now that that I'm an adult because you know, my job is working with the homeless and you, you see people decline to the point where some people die. You see, suffering doesn't always build character. Uh, Suffering can make you self-absorbed. It can numb you to the problems of others. It can catapult you into your own world to the point where nobody can understand you. And you know, one of my volunteers pointed out last week, um, even on the, the best days at work, when everyone's having a good time and enjoying each other's company, we have to remember that This whole ministry should not exist. If people's families cared for them, if it cost less to stay healthy, if the mentally ill were more accepted, if affordable housing weren't so hard to find, there wouldn't be a need for soup kitchens. The mere possibility of hope in today's world, in Paul's world, in Jesus' world, is a humbling one. So finally, the gospel, which is the most difficult, I think, of all the texts. I mean, it's John. Go figure. So Jesus is speaking here uh, to the disciples, just after the Last Supper and the foot washing. Now, John's Gospel is really interesting. It's it's probably the most the most humbling Gospel, no matter how you look at it, um, because Jesus is saying he's always the whole time he's just saying all these like loopy things and writing stuff in the sand, and you don't know what it is and all that stuff, but also the crucifixion it's portrayed differently from in the other gospels it's not portrayed as this tragic death but he keeps using the word uh, the hour of of the hour when he was going to be glorified Um, jesus is going to be lifted up or glorified not killed Um, jesus is portrayed of being in control of his fate and he's always comforting those around him because they're much more upset about it than he is jesus who's about to die, is, is humbling the people around him. So in this reading, he's um, a few minutes ago, he's predicted Judas betrayal, Peter's denial. He's given the disciples the new commandment to love one another. He's told them he's the way, the truth, the life, and the vine. He's promised them that the Holy Spirit is going to be sent to them. And he's warned them that you know the world's gonna hate them. And then all of a sudden he says, oh, well, I have a lot more to say, but you guys can't handle it. It's kind of weird, isn't it? I mean, imagine being in their shoes. Um, Would you feel condescended to? Would you feel humbled? Would you feel frustrated? Um, What do you think now? It's 2019. Has the Holy Spirit come and cleared everything up? Is life any easier now than it was when Jesus and his disciples were alive? Of course not. Uh, life is more comfortable, you know, we always keep trying to make life more comfortable um, But I think life is also more complicated than, than it was a few centuries ago And I definitely think we're no happier When that uh, the corporate volunteer asked me if I really thought it was possible to end homelessness I told her no Because maybe we shouldn't have a need for uh, a soup kitchen But at the same time I think there there are always going to be people who want to be homeless. Lots of them uh, come to lunchtime ministry. Uh, You know, we serve everybody. We serve a lot of people that are working, that are trying to get their lives together. Uh, We have people hanging onto their SROs by the skin of their teeth. So they come to us for a meal. And we have people who are going to live and die on the streets. And a lot of them are substance abusers, some of them are domestically abused, some of them are mentally ill, and others who'd rather freeze on a bench than be held captive by four walls. And you know what, though? We don't, we don't care about that. Um, we don't have a curriculum uh, or, or at Lunchtime Ministry, and no matter what your place in life is, no matter if everybody else has turned you away, we're always there. And even if you mess up so badly that you do have to take a break from our space it's always just a break you will be welcome back and the greatest example of forgiveness at lunchtime ministry comes from the guests um there are days when when you know when i mess up and i say something out of out of line and you know the next day i want to apologize or kind of like joke about it or, or talk about it like reference it and, to see if, to see how people are feeling, you know, but no one even remembers what happened the day before. No one cares. People have moved on because every day there is a chance to make something new. And that's, that goes with surviving on the streets. No friendship is beyond repair. Um, you have to put up with the people around you. Um, you know, um, my job is really hard and you know, there, anybody who's worked a job like that will tell you some days you go home and all you can think about is how you're going to handle this loose cannon tomorrow or if you should have confronted the guy you know he was drinking should you have said something Um, or had you intervened earlier Would so-and-so have gotten hurt that's what you think about when you go home you never ever leave this job the decisions seem so difficult but are they really is it really so difficult to know which way to go? Is it really so difficult to know what the right thing is? Is wisdom some coy maiden hiding way off the beaten path? Uh, Kierkegaard um, once put it, the Bible is an easy book to understand, but we Christians are a bunch of scheming swindlers We know that if we admit we understand it, we will be obliged to act accordingly. He hit the nail on the head, right? Now, of course, life is complicated, but we like to pretend that just knowing what to do is the complicated part. Just understanding a problem, we like to get stuck making a decision. But often, that's not complicated. Putting in the work, that's what's complicated. Actually doing the right thing because that's where the consequences get messy and that's where people will give you a hard time you know i can't tell you how many guests have told me i know how to make my life better i just have to do it and a a lot of folks that have you know successfully risen out of homelessness um, they get their own apartments they get pretty well set up and then they come back and they'll say you know spike back when i was homeless you guys you the the case managers and the volunteers you know they they told um, you, "You guys told me what I should do, and you were right, and you know, I knew you were right, but I had to make that decision. I had to do the right thing. But while they were making that decision, we kept helping them, you know, because we didn't care. Um, no no addict changes without a decision to do so, and no street dweller cleans up his act without lots of hard work. And there are different kinds of hard work. For many people who've been on the street all their lives, just asking for help might be the hardest work they've ever done. Doing the right thing is always hard. You know what one of my guests likes to say? Um, He says, uh, no matter if you're having a good day or a bad day, you can always say good morning. It sounds simple, right? No, it is simple. But doing it is hard. Because you know it's hard to say good morning when you, know, you haven't had enough coffee and you've got this great big line in front of you who want to eat. And it's hard to say good morning when you've spent the night being kicked off every bench in town. It's hard to say good morning to someone who spat in your face the day before. But it's the right thing to do. No matter who it is or where the conversation is headed. You should always say good morning. Wisdom is simple, but wisdom is hard. Wisdom is good morning. And from there, you know, the the right thing can, can be many different things. Sometimes the right thing is telling someone no. Sometimes it's running down the street after them when you realize you're the one who's spoken out of turn. And the other thing is, when you get too wrapped up with the job you have to do, it's always good to step back and look at how small you are spend a night out in the middle of nowhere and you'll remember you have to be humble if you mull over a problem for too long it'll explode out of proportion because you know what these problems have always existed and they're gonna keep existing so what we do is a small thing in a great big world a small thing we just try and help each other where where we are where Bob and uh, Carol volunteer and Uh, Pastor and Bethel came. Lunchtime ministry, we we just want to help each other get through a few hours of the day. That's a small thing, but it's a big deal. A small thing in a great big world, a world where the sky is huge, and there's tons of suffering, and as Jesus told his disciples, there are limits to our knowledge. But it's also a world where wisdom and hope and the Holy Spirit are ever before us no matter what crossroads we come to. Maybe that's what that um, frustrating little letter to the Romans meant. Maybe that's what Paul meant. Suffering is boundless, but so are the opportunities to help each other. Suffering is boundless, so is hope. In other words, homelessness is not going to end anytime soon, but the ways we can help each other will never end. Amen.